This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. When I got out of prison, well, while I was in prison, I know everybody says they find God when they're in prison, but really, it was one of those times like, okay, God, like what, what is going on? What is the reasoning? And you got to know that sometimes bad things happen, but there is always consequences to sin. That doesn't mean God's not good. That doesn't mean God's not on the throne, but that does mean there is consequences to our sin. God never left me. God never forsake me. He was right there with me the whole time drawing me closer to him. And there was these sweet little ladies that brought in Bethmore Bible studies into the church or into the little sanctuary there at the prison. And I was at every single one of those. And those Bible studies are intense. I don't know if y'all have ever done Bethmore. I mean, it is like daily work in the word. It's no joke. And, um, and I grew and I became, but I got saved when I was 19 at a Heaven's Gates, Hell's Fury. Is that how you say it? I always say it backwards. You know what I'm saying. Okay, so I got saved when I was 19, continued to do drugs. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, continued to do drugs until I ended up in prison. But I was saved. And the whole time, I was different than most of the other drug addicts because I wanted to, you know, the little Bibles in the hotel rooms? Like, I would always pull out the Bibles, and I was like, let's talk about Jesus. Let's see what the Word says. And they're like, okay, are you a cop? Like, who are you? What's going on? Why do you want to talk about God? But see, my spirit was born again. My spirit man was hungry for the word of God. But I didn't put myself in a situation to grow and to become. I went back, right back, after I got baptized, into the same mess. And so although my spirit man was hungry and it was desiring the presence of God and the knowledge of God, my flesh overrode my spirit man because my flesh had more power than my spirit man. I never fed my spirit man. But then when I got separated, sent to prison, it was like, give me all the word. <laughs> I just want to grow. And so I did. And then three years, I spent 20, year, 20 months, came out, and I got to actually spend the second, her second birthday with her, my sweet little fat baby. She was the sweetest thing. I'm not kidding. She was so super fat, and now she's like super skinny. <laughs> but fat babies are the best, I think. And so we did this thing just me and her for several years and then God brought us Trey when I was ready. I got out and I started, I joined the church that they were going to and I started a women's Bible study in my house. My mom helped buy me a house. Thank you mamas for taking care of your kids and blessing them at the right time when there's fruit on their tree of actual growth and actual repentance. And so she helped me buy a house and so me and Chloe had our own little house and we're going to church and we're doing Bible studies and she had her little Bible study babies. They're such cute pictures. Some of the girls still post them on Facebook and she's like, she's being their teacher. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. And then God brought me Trey. And then it was time to step in to what God had called and created me to be. I thought that I was going to get to be the sweet little wife that just sat on the pew at the churches that we went to because we have a traveling minister, ministry. We don't have an actual church that we pastor. He laid that down. We're in traveling ministry now. So we're in a different church every weekend or a different arena. It seems like, it seems like we're more in the cowboy world in the arena world more here since the Rona than ever, but that's great. Side note, I have to mentally prepare for the dirt, ladies. <laughs> not even kidding. Like Trey married me because I love Jesus, not because I'm a cowgirl, but I am so learning. And I am a very good pen cleaner. 
I can drive, I can drive, I can drive. Very well, that big old long rig, I can drive and I can clean pens, but please don't ask me to saddle your horse or to ride. <laughs> so, Trey knew, the Lord showed him how he saw me. The Lord didn't reveal it to me until 18 months later. Me and Trey met in July. No, it was April, we met in April and we got married in uh, December. Six months, I know that that might not be six months, but it was six months, I might have my days off. But we were married within six months. And I didn't think that the Lord was going to use me. I thought I was going to be able to just be quiet and sit on the pew. And the Lord said, no, no, I want you to tell people what I've done in your life. Because there's women that are hurting. There's women that have gone through what you've gone through. And I need you to tell them what I did for you because I want to do it for them. Amen. And I'm like, okay, Lord, but do you remember everything that I've done? Like, <laughs> woo! You really want me to tell them all of that? And he's like, yes, and I want you to tell them exactly and how bad, and then I want you to tell them exactly and how good I am. And so, get ready for your socks to be knocked off because I've been through some stuff. Um, but the Lord showed Trey how he saw me. 18 months later, the Lord shows me at a women's conference and he shows me this gold, this armor like full body armor and it's gold and it's just like, wow. I was like, Lord, that's beautiful, what is that? He's like, that's how I see you. And I'm like, are you sure? And he was like, yeah, look again. And so I looked again and you know that little helmet piece? Well, it had a side pony with a bow and that's, <laughs> yeah, that's how I knew it was me is because of the side pony with a bow. And I was like, oh, that's so cool, I have a bow because Chloe never left the house without a bow. Like the bigger the bow, the closer to heaven or whatever it is. That's how we operated when she wore bows, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so from that point forward, I went home and a week later, I got my first assignment to go and to tell people what God had done in my life. And it was super uncomfortable, um, but I'm just bold enough and I'm just that kind of person that uh, we're gonna be real. We're gonna identify what things, I'm just gonna confront it. I'm a very, confrontational person, I feel like, um, and I try to be more confrontational in the spirit of love now than I used to be, um, but I'm just the type of person that we're not gonna like not talk about what's going on because true peace is on the other side of confrontation. Now, I didn't know this growing up. I didn't know why I was so just kind of like the bull in the china cabinet type of thing. That's what Trey calls me. <laughs> He's like, you're like a bull in the china cabinet. You gotta learn how to walk in love and grace. I'm like, okay, so this is new to me because I'm very, I feel like this, rawr. <laughs> like I am very aggressive, I'm very bold, I'm very fierce, and sometimes I can say stuff and then I see the expression on your face and I'm like, well, bless your heart, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Trey's like, well, why don't you say it with love? <laughs> Wrap your words in love. And I'm like, okay, so I'm a huge work in progress. So um, me and my daughter are working on this because sometimes I see stuff in her and I'm like, Trey's like, she is an example of you. If you don't like what you're seeing in her, you need to change it in you. And I'm like, bless the Lord, <coughs> right? And then to try to blame her for her behavior when she's acting just like me, it's like, are you serious? Why don't you own it? So we were in Hawaii and we had this uh, come to Jesus meeting and it's been great ever since. Like me owning my part and bless the Lord, I sowed bad seeds in you and now I'm seeing the harvest of the bad seeds, but I'm wanting to blame you for the seeds when it's, I'm your mother. I lead by example and I don't like what I'm seeing. So I need to change the leading that I'm doing and I need to change the example that I'm being, right? Because it's been hard. The devil comes at me all the time. He tries to shame me. He tries to talk me out of who I am. Tries, I mean, constantly, even still, eight years in, it is a constant battle to remind him, uh-uh, you're under my feet and that's not who I am. 
And even when I started in the ministry talking about everything that God had walked me through, some of the people, thankfully, have been removed, but some of the people in my family would be like, I can't believe you're going to tell people that. Like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think about me? You know what? It ain't about you. And it's not about me. It's about what God's done in me and through me and what he wants to do in you and through you. But you have to be bold and brave enough to acknowledge that there's something on the inside of you that needs to be changed or that maybe the way you view things maybe not line up with the word of God. Are you looking through a skewed perception? Because maybe Aunt Boo Boo and Uncle Ding Dong told you your whole life that this is how it is. But then you get in the word and you're like, but that's not what the word says. So what do you do with that? Do you listen to lies, tradition, religion? Or do you listen to the word? And that's what God wants to do here today. I know I might be a little different, and that's okay. I've always felt different, always felt different. My parents got divorced, like I said, when I was eight, and I always thought I felt different because of that. And the Lord has been talking to me about the reason I always feel different. I can walk into a room full of ministers at a minister's conference, and I still feel different. I feel like I don't fit. And it's because I'm, he's called me to be separate, and me and Trey live a very separated life. And I'm talking very separated, so much so that our kids sometimes are like, oh my gosh, we can't listen to country music. No, you can't listen to country music because they didn't walk out of what we walked out of. And I know, and there is nothing wrong with country music. <laughs> Let me put that out there. <laughs> but for me in my house, because me and Trey are called, and when you call upon us to help you walk out of a living hell, you want us connected to God on a level that you're not familiar with, to break chains. And the way we do that is we live a very separated life. We don't listen to country music. We don't listen to any cultural or what's it, secular music. We don't watch certain things on TV. We don't talk like everybody else. We don't listen to what everybody else listens to. We live separated, like God told us to be separated, but we live on a, on a different level. Separation because of the call on our lives. Because when you call me, to bind the enemy in your life, you need power and dominion and authority. Amen. And it doesn't get turned on and turned off. It's a lifestyle. Right. And sometimes us as women or us as people wonder why we pray prayers and then they don't get answered. And it's like, well, you have diarrhea mouth 90% of the time. <laughs> Seriously. But you sit there and you pray for God to heal somebody or God to do something. And then you start talking complete opposite five minutes after you pray. Oh, God, heal my back and heal this. And, oh, my back's killing me. My feet are killing me. Blah. I mean, like, you don't think that that's major, but it is. God created the world with his words. And there's power and there's dominion in our words. We're created in the image and likeness of God. Jesus gave us authority to do greater works than he did. And we do that with our words. But if your words are diarrhea words... <laughs> then when you do speak the words that you want to matter, they don't carry the weight that they're supposed to carry because you don't understand what you're saying all the other times. And you think, what well, this, well, I, I can talk however I want, but then when I want God to show up, I want God to show up. Well, angels don't work that way because we all have angels assigned to us and angels are assigned to move on God's word. But when you speak diarrhea mouth, you bind them. They can't do anything. But then when you say God's words, they're kind of like, oh, does she really mean that? Or is she fixing to go to say something completely opposite of what she just said? 
So if you're wondering why your prayers don't get answered, you might want to check your vocabulary. I'm going to get into my notes. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this opportunity. Father, I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you. I thank you for never giving up on me. I thank you for always running after me. Always calling me up higher and higher. Glory to glory. <laughs> Father, I call every heart in this room soft, open, receptive to your word. I command scales to come off of people's eyes, plugs to come out of their ears, and for their desire to grow, their desire to come up, their desire to walk in everything you've called and created them to do. Father, I ask for boldness on the inside of them to hear and to do what you've brought me here to bring attention to. It's not by mistake that I'm here. You're ready for your women to rise up. You're ready for your women to be who you've called and created them to be. You're ready for us as women to link our shields and advance the kingdom all for your glory. But we can't do that until certain things are removed, until certain things are brought to light, because everything that's done in the dark is brought to light, and today is a light day. Today is an unveiling. Today is a day that we recognize who we were created to be, who you see us as, and we walk in it but it takes change. So Father, help them, help them, recall to them, Holy Spirit, the things that you're laying on their heart to deal with and that they're bold and brave, brave enough to identify it and to address it and to uproot it. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Jesus, you are welcome here to move freely upon us. And I'm here to break chains. <laughs> my assignment in the body is to break change and to teach people how to fight. So, Father, I walk in my dominion. I walk in my authority. I walk in my assignment, and I thank you for it, Father. And I call you faithful to watch over your word to perform it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The word that the Lord gave me was 2 Corinthians 3.18, an unveiling. The, the word was unveiled. We were doing some work at our house, and um, we had this huge window and you can see out into the back pasture and the guy that built our house didn't do a really good job and so it was like leaking a lot of water and so we had to get the whole window replaced and it was like three panes of what and it's a beautiful window and so the little window guy or whatever he is he came in and he took down this huge we had this huge curtain and he took it down and i was like wow like that is a beautiful window because i'd never seen the window really without the big heavy curtain on it because you know you pull it back and you let the light in but you never see the whole curtain because the or the whole window because the curtain was always obstructing the view and the guy took the curtain down and I was like wow that is a beautiful window and the Lord gave me the word unveiled because I was praying about what I was to preach on here and he said unveiled and I'm like okay Lord that's cool I mean like it was a word like unveiled I'm like great unveiled I was like what's that for and it was for this group of women. And so when I say unveiled, like when I did the little video out here when we were at the barrel race, I was like, Trey, do I tell them like what it's about? And, and we're like, yeah, you might not want to say the word unveiled because sometimes women don't want to deal with things that they've hid for so long. Things that they probably might have even forgot about because nobody needs to know that. But those are the things the Lord is wanting to shine a light on today. And no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, 
There's things in your life that need to be unveiled. There's things in your life that the Lord's wanting to speak truth to. And it's up to you how far you're willing to go, how changed you're willing to be, how transparent with yourself you're willing to be. It's not comfortable. It hurts. There might be snot slinging. It's totally okay. Like I said, true peace comes from confrontation. On the other side of confrontation is true peace. 2 Corinthians 3.18. So it says, and all of us, who's all of us? This is a letter to the Corinthians, right? And the Corinthians were believers. So this is to all believers, okay? So this is to all of us because, I mean, if you're here on a Saturday, I'm pretty sure that we've all, we're all saved, right? We all believe in Jesus. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. So we're believers. I question the fact, though, what is it that you're believing? Exactly. The Lord, the Holy Spirit wants you to look at what you're believing. Do your beliefs line up with his word? Do your beliefs line up with his truth? And as we go through today, he's going to reveal to you what beliefs need to stay and what beliefs need to be torn down. And all of us, as with an unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very image, in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Unveiled. Do you know what a veil is? I'm sure we do. We're all women. We all dream of our veil on our wedding day, right? It covers your eyes. It's a covering. Being unveiled would imply that it's been removed. Unveil in the Greek, it means to uncover. It means to disclose means allow something to be seen. Bring it into the light. So while I'm speaking, I want you thinking, and I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is working on everyone's heart, revealing to you what needs to be unveiled, revealing to you what's hindering you from being what you've called and created to be. And again, there's no age limit on this, because sometimes... When I speak, some people, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to say this? You have a purpose no matter how old you are. And your purpose is not done until you transition to heaven. And just because you're older does not mean that people like me don't need the wisdom that's on the inside of you. And I feel like sometimes in our society and in American culture, that nobody wants to hear what the older people have to say when they're the ones that hold all the wisdom. They're the ones that have lived life. And for us younger people, we need to respect and we need to honor that and we need to give ear to that, especially if it lines up to the Word of God. Now, if it's just mess, then don't listen to it. <laughs> but if you're in this room, I believe that there is a lot of wisdom on the inside of you. You've lived a lot of life. And my generation needs it. My daughter's generation needs it. Lord, help us with the younger generation. Bless God. So I want to read. So do we understand what this scripture is talking about? An unveiling. So Moses, this is just a snapshot, would go up, talk to God, have to come down, cover a veil over his face because the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord was so strong on him that the Israelites and the natural couldn't handle it. 
right? But today, that's old covenant. Recognize that that's old covenant. Today we have a new covenant. We have Jesus. Jesus lives on the inside of us. So we are able to enter into the throne room and have conversations with Jesus ourselves. And when we make Jesus our Lord and Savior, the veil is completely removed. The veil is torn down. Spiritually, the veil is torn down. But until we renew our minds to the Word of God, that veil is still there in the natural. We still see ourselves through the shame, through condemnation, through the life that we've lived. Until you learn, until somebody disciples you and trains you how to pull down wrong thoughts, replace them with new thoughts, until you get into the Word of God, you have to physically open your Bible and you have to physically read. You have to put it in your eyes. Your eyes are gateways. Gateways to what? Your heart. Your heart is what? A production center. And as all your heart knows what to do is produce what you put in it. That's why it is so important. What you listen to and what you watch gets into your heart. So if you want different fruit in your life, then put in different seeds. Because when pressure comes on, that's how I know what's really in you. Because everybody can walk around and speak Christianese. Oh, bless the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> we can all do that. But when pressure comes on, what comes out of you? For example, I can drive and hit the road boobies, and if Trey's asleep, instead of coming up out of the front seat cussing, he comes out commanding angels to take charge over us and the, pleading the blood of Jesus. Like, gosh, like, and it's a startling thing, like, because you're driving and you, like, look around, oops, you hit a road booby, and then, I plead the blood of Jesus, angels, you take charge, and you're like, ah, like, what's wrong with you? Stop it. But it's a lot better than bleep, 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 right? So when pressure comes on, what comes out of you? When Chloe slipped around the second barrel last year at State, and she's such a cowgirl, and she rode her horse, and it was great. But what came out of me was, angels, you do your job. And it was fine. Everything was fine. Everything's fine. I say that a lot now. Everything's fine. <laughs> yes. When a deer runs in front of your car, what do you do? Oh, dear. <laughs> or, angels, you do your job. And before we drive down the road, it's angels, you do your job. You keep the animals out of our path. And you know what? It works. It does. It does. And that's why I plead the blood of Jesus over Chloe, over my kids, over Trey, every single day, every time we depart, every time they get on the horses, every time. There's power in the blood. But you have to use it. You have to use your words correctly. You have to use your words correctly. Say it. I have to use my words correctly. So what does the veil represent in your life? A veil hinders you from seeing correctly. What are you looking at and what are you looking through that hinders you from seeing yourself correctly, from seeing God correctly? What in your life needs to be uncovered, uprooted, addressed, changed, what lies are you believing? What lies have you believed maybe from childhood? 
what lies have been spoken over you that you've adopted as this must be true. And I just want you thinking, and the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it to you. And the Holy Spirit gave me this list, so we're going to talk about this list. What lies women believe? That they're unloved, they're unwanted, they're unseen, they're unworthy, they're too damaged, they sin too much. Or maybe you've had a traumatic event happen to you, such as a rape, such as molestation, and you see yourself as unclean, you see yourself as damaged, as dirty, incapable of being loved. And you need to know if you had been molested, if you have been raped, if you had been taken advantage of that way, you're not damaged. It was a traumatic event and God is wanting to show you how he sees you and that let the love of the Father heal you and make you whole. And it's a continual process, but when we don't address it, when we just wanna cover it, it hinders us. It hinders our growth, it hinders our vision, it hinders our walk. What sin have you done personally or what sin has been done to you that brings shame in the natural? That's the enemy's job is to bring shame. I want to talk to you about shame for a minute because there's a difference between shame and there's a difference between guilt. And so I didn't know this until the Lord took me here. But shame is a painful emotion caused by a consciousness of sin. Guilt is the fact or state of having committed offense. Shame says you're a failure, you're wrong, and you're worthless. Guilt says you missed the mark, you failed, and your actions were wrong. Shame is feeling bad about who you are. Guilt is feeling bad about what you did. Shame says, I am the mistake. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Do we see the difference? Because sometimes we want to put them together. Yeah. And they're not. Two separate things. Yeah. The enemy tries to bring shame to condemn you. Mm -hmm. And condemnation is not of the Lord. Now, the Holy Spirit will convict you when you've done something wrong. And that's his job is to convict you and then you repent and you go on, you're forgiven, put it behind you because the Lord doesn't remember it anymore. But shame makes you want to hide your head in the sand. It makes you want, remember the woman at the well, how she was so full of shame because of everything she had done that she went out in the heat of the day. But that one day when she encountered God and he gave her a word and he saw her for who she was and that one word changed her, and then she went running back to her community that she was so ashamed to be in front of, telling them, hey, come see a man that told me about everything I ever done. And she set a whole community free, the woman that was full of shame because of her encounter with Jesus. That's what he's wanting to do here today. Whatever's kept you bound, he's wanting to give you a word to address that. So you walk free. So you go back a changed woman telling everybody, hey, 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 look what God did for me. And he's wanting to do that and he's willing to do that. But are you willing to get honest with yourself? Are you willing to cry through it? Are you willing to blow snot through it? I can tell you, I have blown a lot of snot and cried a lot of tears, but it's so worth it. To stand here before you to help you walk free. In order to be free from anything, we've got to first identify the issue. And shame is gonna to try to hold you in your past and hide 
and make you want to hide yourself. But today is the day and the time to name the shame and put the shame under our feet. We have dominion and authority. Everything that has a name is underneath the name of Jesus. Jesus, that name is more powerful than anything. The blood is more powerful than anything, but you have to be able to identify that thing. You have to be able to name that thing. And when you name it and you speak to it and you command its power to be broken in your life, the power is broke. And it's gonna be a fight and you're gonna have to continually walk yourself out of it because the enemy will come immediately to steal the word. And he will come immediately to remind you of everything you ever did wrong. And that's when you have to take the word of God by the Holy Spirit and paint, repaint that image on the inside of you of who you really are. Because you're not damaged. You're not unworthy. You're not unloved. And God sent me here to tell you that. That he wants you whole. That he wants you to see yourself correctly. That he sees you. And he's wanting to rewire some things on the inside of you. Because there's people called and attached to you, walking in all that he's called and created you to walk in, that you're not fulfilling because something's holding you back. And when you get to heaven on judgment day, we're held accountable for what we did with our calling and then what we didn't do with our calling. And we are all called. It might not be to this platform, but you are called to some degree or another. And there's people attached to you waiting on you to walk in all that you're called and created to be. Waiting for you to be who God's called you to be. Waiting for you to show them how to walk out. Just love them. Just sometimes by simply loving them. But then we don't. Because why? Because of shame. Because we don't know who we are. Because we don't think we're worthy. And you are. You use all of the mess. God uses all of it. All of it. When we invite him in, he uses all of it. And he turns it around for his glory. And only he can do that. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And all of us, as with an unfailed face, because behold, in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured. Constantly being transfigured. Do you know what the word transfigured means in the Greek? Mm-hmm. It's metamorpho. The Greek word for it is metamorpho. And so, and it means change, but the first word, it's a two compound word. And the first word, meta, carries the idea of an exchange, one thing for another. And the word morpho in the Greek is a word for a person that changes their outward form, kind of like a butterfly. So the word is to change us from the inside out, change the way we look, change the way we talk, change the way we believe, change the way we act. We're not supposed to leave the presence of the Lord looking the same, feeling the same, being the same, but we do. We come to church, we hear a good message, we clap our hands, we go to lunch, cuss people out on the way to because they pulled out in front of us. I don't cuss them out, but I yell at them directly after preaching. And I've had the kids in the car and they're like, weren't you just preaching? Weren't you just preaching about Jesus and you're yelling at people? But do we let the word 
really do a work on the inside of us. When we go home Monday through Saturday, do we really spend time in the Word at all? Do you give place to God's Word at all? Do you position yourself at the feet of Jesus at all during the week? Do you spend time putting the Word in your eyes and mulling it over and meditating on it? That's what meditating means. You know what a cow does? And they chew it up and then they spit it back. Meditating? That's what it means in the Greek. Just like a cow. Yes. Chewing it over, mulling it over, over and over. What are your thoughts constantly? What are you thinking on? Are you thinking on the Word? Are you seeing through the Word? I'm constantly in prayer with a whole... I'm constantly talking to God. Sometimes my kids or Trey will be talking to me and I have no idea what they're saying because I'm in my head talking to the Lord, right? Do you spend time doing that? That's the only way you're going to change. That is the only way you're going to change. And you're going to have to have the tenacity to do it. Because you don't have to just be sitting at your desk or in your prayer closet or whatever it is. You can walk and talk with God all the time. Walk and talk with God all the time. But are you? And if you are, congratulations. But what are you doing with that? Are you applying the word when you deal with humans? I can spend a lot of time in the Word of God and then come out of my room and rip somebody's head off because, uh, and it's like, whoa, weren't you just in the presence of the Lord? I was, but, but apparently I need to go back. <laughs> but it's a change. It's a process. Just like the butterfly doesn't become a butterfly in one day, you're not going to change in one day, but being aware of it and letting it change you, grow you, you miss it, Lord, I repent, and you get right back in the game and not beat yourself up for it over and over and over. If you don't know how to think, Ephesians 1.17 tells us how to think. It tells us that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So when you're praying for wisdom, when you're praying for revelation, Pray Ephesians 1.17. Holy Spirit, show me what I need to change. Holy Spirit, show me how to deal with this situation. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Enlighten my eyes. And if you have a lost family member, pray for their heart. Pray that their eyes of their understanding are enlightened. You pray for them like this. That God send labors into their path to share His goodness. Because believe me, we're not called to save our family. We're called to be examples. And sometimes, yes, you are called to save your family, but there's some of them that aren't you to be saved or aren't yours to save. You're just supposed to be loving. You're just supposed to be kind. You're just supposed to be an example of Jesus. And it's somebody else's job to come along. But because of what, you, what they saw in you, then they get it through somebody else. One plants, another waters. Got it? So what attitude? Philippians 2, 5 and 8. What are we talking about? We're talking about unveiling. We're talking about what the Lord wants to unveil in your life. Sometimes we have wrong thoughts. Sometimes we have wrong attitudes. How do I know what attitude to have? I go to the Word. How do I know what to think? I go to the Word. How do I know what to believe? I go to the Word. I don't call my mom. I don't call Aunt Boo Boo. I don't call Aunt Ding Dong and say, uh, tell me what to think. Tell me what to believe. Absolutely not. You go to the Word, you go to prayer, and you go and you let the Holy Spirit show you. What attitude? Philippians 2, 5 through 8 tells us, Let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. What? 
Let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ. And just a cute little side note here, because um, I hear it all the time where, I mean, I'm in the world a lot. God's going to humble you. God's going to humble you. Um, if you're in the old covenant, okay, great. Uh, but I live in the new covenant. I live through Jesus, and it tells me in James 4.10 that I'm to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. I'm to humble myself. God is not going to humble you. He is not going to use some car wreck. Some, that is not the God I serve. The God I serve does not need another baby in heaven, did not cause a cancer, did not cause some traumatic event to teach you something. That is not the God I serve, and that is not what he does. John 10.10 10 tells us that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his job. If there's any stealing, any killing, any destroying, you know that it's the devil. It is not God. But Jesus said that he came to give us what? Life and life more abundantly. So if there's life in it, then it's Jesus. If there's stealing, killing, destroying, it's what? Very simple. But sometimes in our minds, we make it very complicated, and there's no need to make it complicated. But if you view God as him doing something horrible to you to teach you a lesson, you can't be all that you're called and created to be. You can't walk in everything God's called and created you to walk in. And you can't hear the Holy Spirit on the level that you need to hear the Holy Spirit in today's time. Your heart has to be unveiled. The calluses have to come off. You have to have a heart that's soft towards the Lord. You have to be able to hear because the Holy Spirit will guide you and it will direct you and it will stop you from doing things that will bring harm. An example, we're walking, I'm walking by myself. We just got back from a trip in Maui and I'm walking and I'm shopping, not shopping like mine, just, you know, window shopping. And I walk up to this one little boutique and I just feel like this, whew, like this, almost a pushing back and I was like all right Holy Spirit so I just walk around the corner and I go to the next little thing and I feel it again Whew. and it like just kind of pushes me back and I'm like all right Holy Spirit what's going on and I'm looking around and I see that it's a psychic place <laughs> the Holy Spirit was physically removing me uh-uh my beloved one don't go in there don't get that mess on you I mean, how cool is that? I was like, man, thank you, Holy Spirit, because I wasn't like praying in the Spirit. I was just, you know, just being myself, unplugged for a little bit. And the Holy Spirit still stopped me from walking into something that could have tried to attach to me that would have brought harm. Are you attached to the Holy Spirit? Are you in tune to the Holy Spirit? Do you even know what the Holy Spirit's job is? I mean, I feel like we do, but just in case we don't, I'm here to tell you that he is your guider, he's your director, he's your teacher. He's everything Jesus was, but he's sent to live here. The power of the Holy Spirit directs us, it guides us, but are you in tune to the Holy Spirit? If you're not, I encourage you to get in tune to the Holy Spirit, especially in today's, I mean, we are in complete craziness. Jesus is closer to coming back than ever before. And if you listen to prophetic teaching and if you listen to end times teaching, some of it's just crazy. I wouldn't listen to some of it. But some of it is very in tune and very on track. And it's like, wow, Lord, help us, help me get the people ready. Because that's my assignment. But your assignment is to help your sphere of influence get ready. And you can't do that with a veil over your eyes, looking through brokenness, looking through mess. It says from glory to glory, not mess to mess, right? Yeah. 
So let's get in the glory. Let's identify whatever is keeping us from the glory of God. Let's identify it. Let's pull it down. Let's replace it with right thinking. And let's go forward. Because when you get to heaven, God's going to say, hey, I called you to all these people, but you were too scared. Do you really want that on Judgment Day? Or do you want to hear a good job, good and faithful servant? Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you. <laughs> what do you want to hear? Your crown when you get to heaven? Are you getting a crown? Or are you just getting to heaven? And this is not my teaching, but this is what's coming out of me. So... It's time to get real with ourselves. It's time to grow. Growing is not fun. Some people go to church in their little pots and they never want to grow. And the Holy Spirit, I hear Trey say this a lot. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was standing at the door today with a hammer and they brought the hammers with their, with their worship to soften our hearts in a way that some of us might not have worshiped before, but that's okay. You might not have experienced somebody like me before, but that's okay. Change comes from doing something you've never done before. And if we go to church in our pots and unwilling to grow, you're never going to be what you're called and created to be. You're never going to reach the people you're called and created to reach. Use the hammer, break the pot, not smoke the pot. Ha <laughs> ha. I just, we go to Colorado a lot and I have to remind people 420 does not mean international smoke time. It means get into the word of God. Proverbs 420 literally says, pay attention to God's word. So we just Johnson paraphrase it and say what you give your attention to build a desire. So instead of being addicted to weed, let's be addicted to the word. Cause you know, what's going to come from being addicted to the word change, growth, power, dominion, authority. That's the only thing. Freedom. Ha <laughs> ha. Freedom, freedom from anything that's trying to keep you bound, from any lies, from any lies. So what does God want us to know? What does God want you to know? He wants you to know that he's ready. He's ready for you to come up, to grow, to unveil the lies that you believed your entire life about yourself. Or if it's been some traumatic experience that's happened to you, or to your family that you just can't get over it, it's time. It's time to get over it. If you've ever been in an abusive relationship, I, I, I skip over that a lot, but I feel like God's wanting to deal with that today as well. I was in a, an abusive relationship, oh my gosh, I guess I started dating this guy when I was 15 until my early 20s, on and off. Um, I have scars on my eyes, I have a pretty, you can't really see this tooth, but um, surgery on my knees, busting my eardrums. I'm talking like I was in a, but I was going to love him enough to change him. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. <laughs> that does not work out so well. So hear, hear me, ladies. And I don't know specifically who it is, but I know that there's women in the room that need to hear this. You can't love them enough to change them. And it's not about you. Their brokenness is not about you. Amen. You can pray for them. You can ask God to change their hearts and their desires. And that's all you can do. And if you're in an abusive relationship that continues, continuously continues to happen, you need to remove yourself. God wants more from you. And if you're married to it and it continues to happen, it's okay. I know God does not believe in divorce, but it is okay to remove yourself for the safety of yourself. 
It is not okay to end up dead because you were too afraid. Don't be afraid anymore. There's no sense in it. You have dominion. You have authority. God loves you. His boldness is on the inside of you. You just got to tap into it. And you are worthy enough to be loved correctly. And it might be a little strange. It was strange to me when I started dating Trey and he treated me with honor and respect and like he loved me, like loved me. And I was like, well, this is odd. Like you don't want to cuss at me or talk ugly to me or no, he is the same man here that he is at home. Did it go off? Did I already talk that much? Can y'all hear me? No, not as well. There's a battery. There's a battery on the shelf. Look, I found it. Do you know how to change it? Elisa. Hi, honey. I didn't see you before. Y'all, this is Elisa back there. Elisa, wave. Say your hand. Uh, her and her husband have a church. Um, what's it called? River of Life. River of Life Cowboy Church. And Brianna does worship for them over in Bridgeport. I didn't know you were coming. I love you. <laughs> hey, listen. Oh, there we go. Yeah, we bind Satan in Jesus' name, don't we? Yes, we do. He's under our feet and we bind him. So what does repentance mean in the Greek? Repentance. Because the Lord, some, some of us need to repent from some stuff that we've done that we don't even realize we need to repent from. But repentance in the Greek, it's two words. I'm not going to try to say them. The first word means meta, or it, it is meta, and it means change. Kind of like transfigured, right? And the other part of the word, it means mind and to think. So repentance means to change your mind about how you think. Repentance also paints the picture of I'm going one direction and I'm going to change and I'm going to go and go the opposite direction. Lord, I repent. And sometimes some, I guess I can call them religions, want to tell you that you don't ever have to repent again. Once you've accepted Jesus, everything is fine and he's just going to love you and that's called greasy grace and, that's, and you can just do whatever you want to do and Jesus is going to love you through it and you never have to repent and I'm all going, we're all going to heaven. Um, that's not what my Bible says and that's not how I interpret it. And that's, I don't live in greasy grace. I don't like, Jesus is love. What Jesus did for me was an empowerment for me to walk free from sin, not to continue in sin and call it grace. Absolutely not. And like I said, every time you sin, there is going to be consequences to your sin. That is just a spiritual and natural law, period. Repentance. What do I need to repent from? What do I need? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? And bitterness, I was hearing the word bitterness this morning over and over and over, the word bitterness. And sometimes things can happen to us and we get bitter. Do we even realize that we're bitter? But that was a word this morning when I was praying that kept coming up in my heart was bitterness. So I'm going to ask you. Is it bitterness that you're holding on to? If somebody hurts you and you never address it and you just held on to it and before you know it, you're bitter. And you know what unforgiveness does? It binds you. It hurts you. It makes you sick, physically sick in your body. And it makes you see things crooked and twisted and not how it really is. And somebody can say something and you hear it through hurt, you hear it through unforgiveness, you hear it through anger, and then before you know it, you're mad and wanting to tear something up and that's like, that's not even what they said.
But that's what you heard because you're broken. And it's time to heal the brokenness. It's time to address the brokenness. Major areas of deception in people's lives. Identity. Hello. <laughs> Look at the world we live in. We don't even know what bathroom to use anymore. Um, check your plumbing. It's going to tell you all you need to know. God's not confused about how he made you. Right? And, you know, I have my daughter in a Christian school to keep her separated from mess. And it seems like a lot of people send their kids to Christian school to help raise them because they're not doing it at home. Mamas, raise your babies right. Give them the attention they need. Sow the word into them. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to repent. Teach them how to love. Teach them how to make mistakes and, and make those mistakes right correctly. I teach my daughter all the time. Man, I missed it. Okay. This is how we do it. I own this. This is how we do it. I made a mistake. This is how we do it. We love in spite of. But at her school, there seems to be this small group of girls that want to play around with the idea of we lack to, let me, um, I was going to say something with an unrenewed mind. I'm not going to say that. Um, they're confused about their gender roles and they want to be with other girls. But then they also want to be with other boys. But then, so we've had these meetings with the teachers in the school and all, I mean, we are, I'm like, and Chloe's like, will you stop going to my school already? <laughs> no, I won't because I, I pay to keep you separated from that. I know in the world you're not going to be separated, but I'm not paying you to put you in the middle of mess. So mamas, sow good seeds. Train your kids. Teach them at home. So identity is a huge thing. Do you know who you're called and created to be? If you don't, go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 tells you who you are. It tells you that you're blessed. It tells you that you're seen. It tells you that you're loved. It tells you that you're redeemed. It tells you that you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. It tells you that you're forgiven. That's who you are if you don't know. You know what Matthew 16, 19 tells us? We have keys to the kingdom. We have dominion. We have authority. A lot of us don't know that we have dominion and authority, and you just let the devil walk all over you. In our second session, we're going to talk about how to walk in our dominion and authority and how to take back what is rightfully ours and how to fight spiritually. Because sometimes I feel like we just get beat, so get beat up in the world and in life that we stop fighting. It's time to rise up. It's time to take back what is rightfully ours. Our calling, most people don't understand that every single person in this room has a calling on their life. You're called to be light shining in darkness. Every single one of us. You're not called necessarily to this podium, but the podium in your life, the sphere of influence in your life, the people that you reach and you see every day, you're supposed to be making a difference in their life by the way you act and the way you talk. Are you shining the love of God? Are you being a good example of the light? Are you being salt on the earth? Or are you being a warning? Do you speak Christianese one day and then the next day ripping somebody's head off? And then not repenting for it? Because we all have those days. <laughs> I have those days. A lot. But when you repent and you own it and you go back and like, okay, I missed it. That's huge. Romans 11.29 tells us, For the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So just because something might have happened in your life, that doesn't make that mistake, that event, that doesn't make that who you are. That's not your identity. But do we realize that? Because sometimes, like, if we've been molested, 
we see ourselves as unclean and damaged and unworthy, so we walk around in life thinking that it's okay for people to be horrible to us. It's okay for people to use us. It's okay for people to keep us just at an arm's distance, or it's okay for people just to beat us up all the time. That's mess, and that's a lie of the enemy to keep you bound. Something bad might have happened to you, but you aren't that bad mistake. You aren't whatever event has got your vision skewed. You're more than that, and God's wanting to address that. If you've been raped, you were the victim, but you've got to forgive. If you've had an abortion, oh my gosh, did I say the word abortion in church? I did. Do you know? <laughs> we're going here. Apologize, baby. Um, I had an abortion when I was 19 years old. Been on drugs for two years, never had a period. I was very, not even really having sex. So it was kind of a hard, like, how did I, apparently I had sex, but <laughs> yeah, right. I know that's how it happens. Um, but I had an abortion. I didn't know what to do. I was scared. This was before I was saved. And I was like, oh my gosh, because I had seen babies born into the addiction. And I'm like, they were missing some, you know, they're just all their oars weren't in the water. And I was like, I can't do that to a baby. So in my 19 year old unsaved mind, the right thing to do was to have an abortion for the baby's sake. I didn't know that God could heal. I didn't know that God could rearrange some things that were out of order. I didn't know anything about God. So that's what I did. And I never thought I did anything wrong till I was married with Trey or married to Trey and he's ministering to this lady on the phone about not to get an abortion. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what I did was wrong. And it took me several months to walk through that. But you know, the cool thing about it is God knew where my heart was and he knew that I didn't know what I know now. And you know, so anybody that's ever had a miscarriage or ever had an abortion, your baby is sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's a little light sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesse Duplantis went to heaven and he preaches about this and it's called um, Close Encounters of the Heaven Kind. Those babies are little lights sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was in Jesus walking around with Paul or Peter, or I don't know, and he looks over and he sees Jesus sitting in a garden of flowers and he sees all these little lights around Jesus' feet and he's like, Hey, Peter, what's going on with all the lights? He's like, those are all the babies that were miscarried or aborted. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. So have peace in that. That brought me such peace when I heard that. I was like, oh. So, and I did the whole study and I did this whole thing and I walked myself through it. And it was a little, uh, the study that I did, like it had you name your kid and name what you thought it was. And so his name is Jonathan, and he is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he is waiting for either me to come home or the rapture, whichever. I'm not sure is going to happen first. I would really like for Jesus just to come, but I don't think people are quite ready yet. Because all the world has to hear the gospel. All the world has to have an opportunity to repent. All the world has to have been shown the love of God. And we're close. I mean, we have social media, we have phones. I'm attached to Dr. Savelle and they take in these little iPad things into like kingdom nations, you know, where they live in tents and stuff, like Africa, like, you see what I'm doing? Like, anyways, <laughs> Chloe's over there going, is my mother really doing that? <laughs> yeah, she, uh, bless her heart. So our callings, we all have a calling. Do you know that you're called? And remember, your past doesn't determine your future. 
say it, my past doesn't determine my future. 1 John 1.19 tells us if we confess our sin, that He, God, is faithful to and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts 3.19 tells us that if we repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Blotted out in the Greek, it means to obliterate. Obliterate your sins. The blood of Jesus, by you repenting and applying the blood, it obliterates your sin. Do you know how powerful the blood of Jesus is? It covers our sins. It erases our sins. It wipes it clean. But the blood of Jesus, it's not only a covering, but it's protection. It covers you. It washes you washes meaning like washes away wipes it away it's not there anymore it's your mind that brings it back to you it's the enemy that brings it back to you not jesus and not god god sees you once you've repented through the blood of jesus cleansed white as snow say it white as snow and no sin is different than any other sin all sin is sin just like the woman at the well married five times what is your sin that you've done five times Sin is sin. God doesn't see it as, she had an abortion. She had an affair. So this one's better than this one. No, no. It's all sin. But we as humans like to put sin in categories. And that's fine. You can do whatever you want, but that's that's not how the kingdom works. That's not how God works. Sometimes we view God, so something that holds back, something, a veil over you can also be finances. We think that God is withholding from us or that God wants us poor or that like we should just, you know, it's okay and be humble and humble begin humble beginnings is great, but God does not want you to stay there. And religion will teach you that God doesn't want you to prosper. And sometimes there's this misunderstanding about and some prosper gospels aren't true and correct. However, God wants you to be blessed. And he wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. Because if you're not blessed financially, then you can't do what he wants you to do, which is bless other people. So it's okay to have money. Money's just a magnifier of what's inside your heart. And if if you have a kingly anointing on you, and what I mean by that is if you have, like if you're a businesswoman and God has created you with a business mind to make money, you need to honor him in that. Because you're part of your assignment with that kingly anointing is to advance the kingdom, to fund the kingdom, to help people that are called and created to go out into all the world. Because if you can't go, you can send somebody else. But there are a lot of kingly women that don't understand that. Kingly being business-minded women know that God wants you blessed. King, king, excuse me, seed, time, and harvest. Do we understand seed, time, and harvest? It's a spiritual principle. You sow seed, you get a harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. And there is real a devil's signed to you to stop the blessing flowing to you. Do you understand that? There are real devils. And it's not just a pitchfork with a little red suit and horn sitting on your shoulder. There are real devils assigned to stop God's people from prospering. And you have to bind them, you have to name them, and you have to put them under your feet. Because God gave you dominion and authority. 
Philippians 4.19 tells us what? That God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Call it in every day. Angels, you go and you bring in increase. In Jesus' name, you bring in the right partners. This is how you pray for God to work in your life. You have to pray the word, not some religious prayers. Because angels work on what? God's word. I want to just talk about tithers rights really quickly. My daughter, well, we have been going through like spiritual warfare on a whole new level that I have not encountered the whole time I've been married to Trey. And I'm talking like three months of one thing after the other. And it just kept attacking and kept attacking. But you got to understand that the word always works. Angels are always working and the blood still works. And my daughter's horse kept coming up lame, kept coming up lame. I mean, every single day it was something new. And finally, mom had had enough. And I was like, we are going out there. You're laying hands on your horse because every bit of money my daughter makes off of winning, she tithes. She has tither's rights. And there is a whole new level of protection with tither's rights. And if you don't know about tither's rights, Google it. Because it's not my message. This is a side note, but I want to sow the seed. If you're a tither, you have a whole new level of covenant rights. But you have to put God in remembrance of his word and remind the devil, hey, I'm a tither. And the word says that Jesus rebukes the devourer for my sake and that the windows of heaven are opened over un unto me because I'm a tither. I have tither's rights. She went out there. We laid hands on that horse. that was fixing to have to go to the vet the next day again because he's lame in his back or she's lame in her back, whatever. Take her to the vet, and the vet's like, uh, why is this horse here? There's nothing wrong with this horse. The word works. Tithers, work, tithers rights work, but you have to be a faithful tither. And she's faithful. Every time she wins money, she fixes up her tithe, and she tells me, okay, mama, this is my tithe off of this. Teach them young. Teach them right. Because the older you get, you're going to have that much equity in tithers rights. You're going to get too expensive for the devil to mess with. <laughs> and that's what we do. We have a list of everything the devil has tried to steal from us. And we put them in remembrance every day. And God's faithful. And it might take time because, you know, God doesn't work on our time. Like, because that would have been like a long time ago. But the devil has to repay everything. And you keep putting God in remembrance of his words. And angels are working on your behalf. And it's coming. It's coming. Payback is coming. Another good point here. If you're trying to make a decision and there is no peace, don't make the decision until you have true peace. Just like kids being confused about who they are, like their identity, like, do I want to be a cat? Do I want to be a dog? There's stuff like this happening. If y'all, like at Hall Middle School, there's actually kids crawling around on the floor because they want to be cats and their parents are allowing this. If you don't know who you are and you're confused, if you don't know what God's saying and there's chaos, there's confusion, know that God is not in the middle of that. Satan is the author of confusion and God is the author of peace. No peace, no God. No God, no peace. And that your scripture for that is 1 Corinthians 14, 33. And it tells you specifically that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So if there's confusion and something going on, speak to it. Name it and put it under your feet because you have dominion and authority. So what does God want us to know? 
Mm. He wants the bell to come down. I know I've taken a lot of little rabbit trails, but it all comes back to what does God want you to know? That he loves you. In spite of everything that's ever happened to you or through you that didn't line up to his word, that he loves you in spite of that. And that he wants you to identify what's holding you back. What's holding you back from being all that you've been called and created to be? Because you're all called and you're all equipped to do everything God's put in your heart. No matter what sin, what tragedy, God's not in the tragedy. We do live in a fallen world. Bad things happen every day to good people. And it's not because God allowed them to happen. Some of it could have been stopped if people were tuned in to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit leading you, hey, don't get in the car right now, wait 10 minutes. But people don't listen to the Holy Spirit anymore. People aren't trained in the Holy Spirit anymore. People aren't tuned into the Holy Spirit anymore. And look at our world. People want to move God out and move the world in and look where we're at. But you know that we're here because we have to be here because in order for Jesus to come, all this mess has to happen. But God's people aren't supposed to be moved by what they see in the world. We're supposed to be a kept people. We're supposed to be a protected people. But you have to keep your words working for you. You have to keep Jesus working for you, the Holy Spirit. You have to stay tuned in. And when you ignore the Holy Spirit, it puts a callus over your heart. And then you go on the next day and the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something, nudging at your heart, and you ignore it. You don't do it. You keep going. It puts another little callus over your heart. You go the next day, the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something, and you don't do it. Puts another little callus over your heart. And before you know it, you're so far removed from the Holy Spirit that you can't hear him. And it's going to take an encounter with God to remove that callus off your heart. And we're here today to remove the callus over any hearts that may have calluses over them. Because it's only the word of God, the power of God, the anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes. I want all of you thinking. I want you to close your eyes, please. And I want you thinking what that veil is to you. What does that veil represent in your life? <coughs> Holy Spirit, I ask, as we have lunch, as we fellowship, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you're talking to us. You're shining light on that area that we refuse to shine light on because you're wanting us free. You're wanting us free. You're wanting us to be free. And the only way to freedom is to break out of bondage, is to break those chains. But we got to be real with ourselves. We got to look into that mirror, let the word reveal to us what the veil represents. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you help them be brave, that you desire, help them to desire to be free. And that they're brave enough to do it, Father. I just speak to the warrior on each 
side, inside of each and every one of us, and I command the warrior to rise up in Jesus' name, that you want to break free, you want to break the chains, you want to be all that God's called and created you to be, that you want to walk in dominion and authority, you want to walk in your righteousness, you want to war, you want to fight, you want to be everything that God's called and created you to be. And Father, I thank you for your word that it continues to work.